Okay, we, and the Rebbe asked the question why it is that al Nisayan, that through trials and tribulations, we come to a more powerful revelation of godly light. Right? And so we'll start from the, the, the top line, L'cha'ura. First glance, Tzarech Lahavin. Ech al how is it through this? First line on Nun Gimel, Dafka specifically. Why is it that through the Nisoyen, the, na- the, 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 the trial, the tribulation, the difficulties, which are obviously an expression of Helen Vahester, of concealment, why is that Dafka the way to come to a revelation of a higher light? The whole notion of trials, tribulations, difficulties in life. They're concealments. That hide the truth. That if a person were to know the truth, as it is, there wouldn't be in this particular incident any Nisayan at all. Meaning, if we were to know exactly why it is that the Kaddish Baruch is doing this, and we were to see the godly intention behind this whole, this whole experience, so then there wouldn't be much of a Nisayan. We'd understand that it might be a, a, an uncomfortable and difficult situation, but we'd be more than willing to put up with it because we understand that ultimately it has some sort of positive outcome and positive result and positive reality in itself. Not just what comes out of it, but it itself evidently is something positive. Right? We just can't see that part of it. The marshal we brought last time just before we, before we, uh, before we stopped was the idea of an operation. A person has an operation. Operation is a very, very uncomfortable uh, uh, experience, right? Okay, but if a person has an operation and they know that that operation is going to alleviate a certain pain, that, a chronic pain that they have, so they're more than happy to undergo the operation, right? Why? Well, because even though they understand that they're going to go through some time, whether it's a few days or a few weeks of discomfort and perhaps even serious pain, but they're willing to put up with that because they know that ultimately this is going to create a situation where in two weeks or a month or whenever it is, they're going to be pain-free. Okay, so everybody's willing to put up with that. They're probably be sort of silly to say, no, I'm not going to do the operation. Right? Because the person will do the operation. Now, with an operation, it's not even 100%. Right? But it's enough percent that most people would be more than happy to do the operation. And were they to receive a phone call from the, from the office of the doctor who's doing the operation, that they can push the operation up two weeks, they'd be even happy. Oh, great, I get to undergo all of this pain and discomfort two weeks earlier. What fun. Oh, I can't wait. Right? And, it, it, you know, it's, it, it, as, as someone once said, a minor operation is something happening to someone else. So this thing is a minor operation if it's you, right? It's uncomfortable and it's annoying and it, it disrupts your life and it's, okay, fine. Thank you. Asma, right? And then you get back to life and who knows, you could be back on the court in uh, six months. Knee injuries now, two months later, they're back running around. Okay. I can't imagine they don't go through a certain amount of pain and discomfort to get to that point, but it's worth it. Okay, so were we to see what's really going on, it wouldn't be much of a Nisayan. Ki'im, rather. Kol inyan a Nisayan, the whole notion of a Nisayan. Because it conceals the truth. The difficulty of the Nisayan is that we don't understand what's going on or why it's going on. By virtue of the fact that a person would stand in this Nisayan, meaning, in other words, emerge successful from this situation and not let the Nisayan bring about a, a negative emotional state, comes to the truth of the thing. Let me explain. Like the Nisayan of Avram, but Ur Kazdim. What happened to Avram in Ur Kazdim? thrown in a furnace, right? He's thrown in the furnace because he broke his father's idols and he was uh, uh, advocating uh, belief in one God and not belief in idols, etc., etc. And so Nimrod threw him in the furnace. And we'll see who wins. So, of course, what happened in the furnace? 
So uh, the, the Medrashim say that Avram Avinu felt ice in the furnace, he felt how the fire was cold, and he was dancing in the flames. Right? And then they took him out. Must have been quite an experience. Right? He came out. She shalicha say they threw him into a furnace. Obviously, Abba Vino didn't know that he wouldn't be burnt. That if he knew he wasn't going to be burnt, then there's no Nisayan. If Abba knows that the Abish is going to do a great miracle for him, so then what exactly is the Nisayan? Aduabu would be quite a kick. If you could figure out how to package this, you'd have the best adventure park in America. You'd make a fortune. Right? So, so why wouldn't anybody want to do that? Ki'im, who he did not know. Rakhoshev, what did he think? Shavada Yisarev. He obviously thought that he was going to die, but he was willing to be Meser Nefesh. Abba thought that his Aveda was to be Meser Nefesh, to self-sacrifice, to give up his life in order to bring about a, a, a revelation of, of, of God and his complete and total dedication to a Kaddish Baruch That's what he understood. Reasonably. Because al teva, what happens? Fire burns. Amnam, however, yadua. It's known. That teva is ha-teva. Is begematria elokim. Shem elokim. And what Shem Elohim? So we know what Shem Elohim is. Shem Elohim is that aspect of a Kodesh Baruch that conceals infinite reality and reveals finite, limited, differentiated reality. That Shem Elohim. Shal that through this Shem Elohim, Nasa Ribu is Chalkus, the many. Dif- I skipped the line? Yeah. Yeah? Amnam. Ah, I'm sorry. How did I do that? Right. Okay, it's a good line too. How did I do that? Amnam yedua that teva begematrian v'hainu shekolat ba'os all of the hat ba'ot. What's the root of that word? Teva, right? All of the natural states. What? What? Can you think of a word that you use, you know, fairly constantly? That is, uh, I mean, if yes, it's a Hebrew word, obviously. That's based on the word teva. That seems to be very close to this word. How do you say coin in Hebrew? In Lashon Kaidish also. Matbeya. What's a matbeya? Something has a certain form stamped into it. Right? In the, in, in the Mishnah, you'll talk about pieces of gold, but also matbeot. What's the difference? The matbeya is the seal of the, of the of king or whoever happens to be printing the money or sealing the money. But of course, the money was just, there was no paper money. It was all, it was all gold and silver and copper. So, but there was an advantage to something sealed by the king or by the local authority. Why? It was that gave it a certain amount of... Uh, of uh, uh, it, was, it was clear to everybody that that was a, a proper piece of gold. All right? So a matbeya, what's a matbeya? Something that has a stamp. A tabat is a ring, but in the old days, what was a ring used for? A stamp of the king. He would stamp documents with his ring. The idea of enforcing something, imprinting something on something else. So that's tevah. The imprint of Teva, it's, imp- it's planted on this reality. All of the limited natural expressions of the world. They are from the garments and the concealments of Shem Elohim. Not allowing godly reality to express itself in its more natural form, which is infinite. Again, not that the Abishter ultimately is infinite. The Abishter is beyond both, right? We know that. But the, the, most, the, the most reasonable revelation, the most natural revelation of Elokus is infinite. The Abishter himself is not infinite, not finite. can be expressed in infinite, can be expressed in finite. Kayecha bilti gvul and kayecha gvul in Einsef, which we've talked about at length in the Maimur. But what? The or is definitely more naturally connected to its source than Kli. And that's why people that only say this think God's infinite. Perfectly reasonable. No, right? Okay. And infinite is closer to what we would imagine God is. He's just not infinite. Right? Because if he's infinite, then finite can't be. He's beyond infinite. 
Okay, but but infinite is definitely a, 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 an easier expression of elokus in terms of our understanding of reality, right? That's our revelation. The natural state of godly revelation is infinite. So to impose this unnatural state, that shem elokim, levushim in the concealments of that nat, more natural state, the shem elokim, shal yedei zen as a as a result of this naser ribu yischalkus. It's brought about the multitudinous differentiations, vagbola, and the limitation of what? What's an expression of that limitation? That fire should burn, and that water will extinguish. Those are an expressions of, of, of Shem Elohim, those are expressions of limitation. That this, its nature is hot. And this, its nature is cold, etc. Aval, mitzad shem havayo. But in terms of shem havayo, shubachin is built igvul, which is an infinite state of reality. In infinity, such differentiation is, of course, not reasonable because infinite reality doesn't end or begin in any particular place. Ein sham, therefore, I'm sorry. Aval b'shem avaya shu bechinas biltigvul ein sham bechinas hagbola vizchalkus. There is not there the state of limitation and differentiation demayim veish klal of water and fire at all. Vayochol liyos and it's possible to be in that state shemayim lo yichbevel eish lo yisrof. Were there to be such an expression of mayim and eish there, it doesn't necessarily have to in any way, shape, or form act within the context of the limited and defined way it acts down here in Teva. And as a matter of fact, there's a state of reality that you and I are fairly, fairly well-versed in, meaning we talk about it all the time, and it's brought up right in the beginning of the Chumash, right? You don't have to go very far in, in the Torah to find it, that it is a, a place where Aish and Mayim exist in absolute harmony. What's it called? That place. Heaven. And nothing in the Torah is called heaven. Shemayim. What does Shemayim mean according to Rashi on Chumash? Rashi, first Pusik in the Torah. You don't have to get very far in your Hachlota to learn the Torah. Like if you last one day, you get to this Rashi, then after two days you decide, okay, I gave up, you know, I'm not, I can't live with this Hachlota anymore. But if you just do one day, you're going to run to this Rashi. What does Shemayim mean according to Rashi? Eish and Mayim, a place where Eish and Mayim live and exist in a state of harmony. Because differentiation... And his chalkus, right? The notion of finite differences between things. Those differences are blurred. As a matter of fact, they disappear. That's the nature of infinite reality. Where does one thing begin and the one thing stop and the other begin? Well, uh, that's, you can't talk about such things in, in infinity. We don't know what it looks like, but we know certain aspects about what it isn't. Right? And in that place, Asian Mayim. Are not are, 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 can live in absolute harmony even within the context of, they're, they're not in a revealed state obviously but even there within the context of their, their potential existence because obviously there is some state of Asian Mayim there in infinity because it comes into an expression in finite but in infin, infinite reality Asian Mayim live in a state of absolute harmony the one who says to oil to light can say to Vinegar to light. In Teva, so if you want a candle to burn, so put the wick in some oil. Olive oil is best, right? And light it. Once it absorbs the oil, light the wick without the oil, nothing will happen. But once it absorbs the oil, also put the match in the oil, that won't work either. But if you have a wick and oil and a match, so then you can figure out how to, how to make a flame. Okay, that's Teva. Put that wick in vinegar and try to light it. Won't work. Okay, what if the Abishter wants it to burn? So it'll burn, what's the problem? Mitzad Shem Havaya, a level beyond nature, so that the fact that oil burns and vinegar doesn't, so that's an expression of the limited reality of Teva, and if the Abishter wants vinegar to burn, so it'll burn. So you and I call that a nace. So down here it's a nace, there's no question. Okay. But the same one who told oil to burn can tell vinegar to burn. Ukimei Mayim Ve'esh, like water and fire. They don't douse each other. 
Because water and fire, when they come into contact one with the other, one wins and the other loses. Right? If there's a pot in between the water and the fire, then the fire wins. Soon there will be no water. The water will boil and turn into steam and disappear. There won't be any water here after a while. The fire will win. If there's nothing separating the water from the fire, then probably the water wins, right? Usually. It depends how big the fire is, right? If you throw one cup of water on a big fire, so then the fire's not going to be affected by that. It'll just dry up the water. But if you have enough water, so then the water will win. Okay. That's the way it works in Tev. It doesn't have to work that way in Levi Tev. They don't douse each other. Right? Kaddish Baruch is the one who makes peace in the upper realms. The Mikhail Sarshal Mayim, the Mikhail, the minister of Mayim, the Gavriel Sarshal Esh, the minister of Esh, two very well known Malachim who live in Elam Abriya. Vayne Mechavim said, Mikhail and Gavriel can sit in Febreng all day long in Elam Abriya and they don't destroy each other. They live in a state of absolute harmony and each expresses their own different aspect of their complete and total bittel to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, without that being in any way, shape, or form something challenging or threatening to the other one. They live in absolute harmony. They're Asian mind. They're two completely different expressions of godly devotion. They live in harmony. Ulifamim, sometimes. Ha'esh seref Sometimes fire will even burn water. Maybe Eliyahu, right? High Carmel. So Eliyahu filled up the whole, the whole uh, Mizbeach. He made a big trench around the Mizbeach and filled it up with water and soaked the wood and everything was pushed soaking wet. Absolutely soaking wet. And then what did he say? Okay, Bishter, do your thing. Poof, it all went up in flames. That can also happen. Alpi teva, of course it can't. Lamayli minateva, fire and water aren't limited. V'kolzeo lamayli minateva, all of this is beyond nature. V'hainu mibachinus ard ein seif habilti balgvul. And this is all an expression and a revelation of ard ein seif that is beyond limitation. She'ein sham, there isn't in that state of reality, hagbolas ateva klal, the limitations of nature at all, liyesei bechinus bilti balgvul in that it is a state of infinite, and the Rebbe is saying unlimited reality. Now, of course, when we, say, we, when we use the word unlimited in this context, we understand we're using, it in a, we're using it in a rather reserved way. Because to a certain degree, it's limited. What's its limitation? It can't express itself in a finite form. By definition, infinite and finite are two different states of reality. Okay. What can force it to express itself in finite? Something beyond it, and that's Atmos. This is what the Rebbe told us at the very beginning of the time. Amnam, however, the way the world works, the world works within the context of the limitations of Shem Elohim, which is what's responsible for all of the differentiated reality, the multiplicity that we experience in this world, and the very natural behavior of things in this world, that they tend to behave in a natural way, what does that mean? They're predictable. Nature is a function of repetition. Things just keep happening the same way. Right? It's not that it's not, a, it's not the Abishter, right? We know it's all the Abishter. The sun coming up in the morning is the Abishter, but it happens to be that it comes up every day, so we don't call that a nace. Right? If it were to do something that weren't in line with its natural repetitive behavior, so then we call that a nace. It would stand in the middle of the sky for a few hours to let Yoshua win a war, so then that you and I call a nace. Of course, it's Pratt and Chassidus. What happened to all of the rest of the celestial bodies at that point? When the sun was standing there? They also stopped? To Machlekes. Everything stopped, or only the sun stopped? Right? And if, every, if nothing else stops, so then there's also a question as to which is the greater miracle. Right? A certain level, everything else going is a greater miracle. Right? That all happened, obviously, in Eretz Yisrael, right? The story took place in Eretz Yisrael. Okay. So, 
in London, what happened? Sun also didn't, I mean, the sun couldn't have moved in London either, right? Meaning, obviously, the day was longer in London. Now, how many, you know, heathens were hanging out in London in those days, you know, rubbing two sticks together and, you know, beating each other over the head with clubs, whatever they were doing, right? Okay, which is basically what they're still doing. Uh, just <laughs> go to a pub. So, 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 what, what or, 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 you know, or a soccer match. But, but go, you know, there also, obviously, I mean, that must have been quite wild, right? Some guy, you know, crawled out of his, out of his cave in Iowa and, like, looked around and still dark. Looked at his watch, it's not supposed to be dark, you know, his internal watch. Okay. He didn't have an eye watch at that point. Right. So that, that miracle is quite an amazing miracle that affected the whole world. And what, what, what happened? The sun stopped doing what it repeatedly does. Oh, that's called a miracle. Nature? Nature is the to doing things in a repetitive way. But you and I call that Shem Elohim. And it is Shem Elohim. Hagam that even though the Havaya who have the Kolis Havis, that even though Havaya Shema Vaya is that which brings into being all that is brought into being, and we've talked about that word, who day I'm sorry, is Huamahava to Kolis Havus that all reality of being brought into being is through the revelation of the power of the one doing the act, the actor, right? As we mentioned many times, what's an example of someone asks you what that means, what example would you give? We gave an example, we did an example. The example you should give when someone asks you that. Ah, beautiful, well said. Throwing something, what happens? Your kayach is mislavish in the ball. And as long as your kayach is mislavish in the ball, the ball will move. As soon as your kayach dissipates from that ball, what happens? The ball falls down. Right? Meaning it'll go back to its natural state. What's the natural state of a ball if it's in midair? To fall. Why? There's a thing called gravity, however that works, and there's people in this room who can explain that to us very well. Okay, fine. That's what balls do. And then once it hits the ground, it stops moving, right? My father-in-law used to have all these, an, an electrical engineer, he'd go to his office, he used to, went to visit him once in his, in, his, in his office, lab, whatever. So all this stuff was on the ground. And he's working at a table with these things and dials and other sides. So what, 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 Saba, what, what, what's the stuff on the ground? What are you doing? He said, can't fall any further. I know where it is. He had all, everything was on the ground, but he knew it can't go anywhere else. I mean, if it's on my desk and it falls off, so I can't find it. But if it's on the floor, I know where it is. So he kept, he's that kind of guy. He kept everything on the floor. And it was like he'd reach down, pick it up, use it, and then he'd put it back on the floor. So why is it, it won't fall, right? This is the mad scientist at work, you know. He has, I don't know how many patents in whatever, where, where, the, where the, the patent office. He has all these interesting patents in the patent office. Okay. So, so that's, that's teva, right? Can't fall. All right. So as long as kayach is mislavish in the thing, it'll move. But as soon as that disappears, it'll stop moving. Right? Now, theoretically, something could stop it. The catcher's mitt will stop the ball. Now the kayach of of gvura, of the catcher, is being misgaber on the kayach of you will call it chesed, of in revelation, of the revelation of the pitcher's kayach, that's being affected by the kayach gvura of the catcher. Done. Stopped. Right? Okay. That's how it works. Ukemei kosuf havaya melech kanal ba'erech, as we explained at great length earlier. Why is the Rabbi Dafka bringing the Pasuk Havaya Melech? What did the Rabbi use that Pasuk for to expl- uh, uh, bef- earlier to explain something to us? Havaya is the one that brings everything to And yet still? Still Elohim. Oh, it's still right. Because what's Melech? Melech is Malchus. It's a shame Elohim. And what's the Pasuk? What is, what is the Pasuk that the Rabbi's quoting? Even though only, he only quotes one third of it here. Actually, less than a third, but... No, is that the Lenu is a davening. What's the pasuk? 
Havaya Melech, Havaya Molech, Havaya Yimlech, past, present, future. Really, present, past, future. Okay, that even though Malchus is the source of time, and time is a function of natural differentiation, which is all Shem Elohim, yet still, what is it all? It's all Avaya. It's all Avaya. Kemayshu Kosov Avaya Melech Kanal Ba'urich at length. And the Rebbe knows that he explained this to us over and over. Mikol Mokim, nevertheless, even though the true source of it is all Shem Avaya. And I'm sorry, it says Shem Elokim, Hual Yedei Or Havaya. This is all Or Havaya, Kemayshu Meir Al Yedei Shem Elokim. As it is illuminated through Shem Elokim. Now, what's really interesting about the illumination of Shem Avaya through Shem Elokim is it's almost not an illumination. It's really the opposite of an illumination. Meaning, inside of the, inside the revealed reality, what do you experience? Concealment. Sort of. Right? I mean, we've talked about that at length. Right? Remember Rabbi Fitch Eifen, one of the two or three. Jews and who was walking around in Elamaza and knows more Chassidus than, than, than anybody else. So he lives here in Yerushalayim in Rechel Shuafat. So Avayfin was once for bringing, and he gets this look in his face when he when he, 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 he sits back and he like looks up and he has this smile on his face when he discusses the Abish that's really astounding. So he, he, he said, a ray of light is called Karne Or. Karen is a ray. Karne Or. Right? A ray of light. So he once said, the big smile, he said, So Chazal say it's karnei or, it's like rays of light. We've talked about it, it's only ha'ar, it's like a ray of light. He said, it's a low karnei or, it's a karnei choshech. It's rays of darkness. Right? Because that's what it did, relative to what it came from, so it's a place of choshech. It's rays of choshech. That's Eilam he had a big smile. Yeah, okay. But we know the chayshik isn't really chayshik. It's really or. Right? We know it on three different levels. Mitzad the mashpia. He sees revelation. The student experiences revelation, not concealment, even though the mashpia had to conceal his seichel in order to give it to the student. And is everything that the Mashpia thinks is really in, in, embedded in that which he's teaching the student. It's all there, it's all hidden there, and after 40 years the student will hear it all. Okay, so too in reality. The Abishta gives you and I a lesson in, in Matthias, in existence. But in order to give us a lesson in existence, that we should experience existence, that existence has to be in a finite form. He has to be Mitzam same existence as, as it exists by him, Shem Havaya. So we're talking about Shem Avaya as the source of it all. There's higher levels, but we're talking about Shem Avaya. That that level of Shem Avaya, which is the source of existence, has to process itself so it's revealed in a different way, in a different, in a, in a different oif, in a different fashion, in order for the student who wants to experience that, that, that the Abishter wants to experience that feeling of existence, will experience it, will experience it in the context of finite, not infinite. Okay, fine. So unbelievable Timsu. So the, the infinite existence of the Abishter is concealed in order for you and I to experience existence, and that's an, exist, an existence of finitude. Okay, but the same three levels exist. Mitzad the Abishter, there's no concealment whatsoever. The Abishter looks at Elam Hazi, he can't see himself? Of course he does. Mitzad the student, inside you and I, what do we experience? We experience existence. We don't experience non existence. Halavai. We experience existence. Right? I am. Well, yeah, it's pretty cool. I like that. Right? We like getting up in the morning and experiencing and wondering what's going to happen next. Okay. But what do we hopefully understand? That the experience that we're experiencing isn't really simply that external experience that we feel in such a revealed way, but the panemius is it if someone sits and figures it all out. It might take a few years, right? It says, It might take 40 years of figuring it out, but at a certain point, the person figures out that it's all just shame of I. Hidden by shame elokim, concealed, processed. 
And what does that mean? Concealment. And this is the limitation of nature. Down here, water douses and fire burns. What do primordial water and fire do? Don't know. Don't know. Do they have to do what they do down here? Don't be so silly. Don't be so limited. Get out of your box. It's a whole nother reality. It's different than the reality we experience. Doesn't mean ours isn't real. It's real. It's just real for what's here. Vehine. Back to Avram Avinu. Avram Avram didn't think she's Avram didn't think that the Ebishter will act with him in a way that was but rather he assumed that he was going to jump into the furnace and that would be the end of his life. Why would he expect anything else? What exactly was going through Avram's mind, we don't know. Was there like some thought back there, gee, I hope the Abishta does a miracle? I don't know. How do we know? But that wasn't what, that wasn't his Avaida. What was his Avaida at that point? To be Maitsunefish. That was his Avaida. Right? To be Maitsunefish. Right? If, the, if the, the Soviet has his gun, God forbid, and he points it at the Jew and he pulls the trigger, what does the Jew expect to happen? It's going to be Mason Nefesh. Rather than bow down to the idol of the communist. Good. It's not going to bow down to his idol. Okay. Fine. And what if it doesn't happen? What if some miracle happens? Oh, miracle happens. That isn't what the Jew expected. What did he expect? He expected to be Mason Nefesh. That's what he thought he was doing. Right? 70 years ago in Europe, there were a lot of Jews who were Mason Nefesh. Some Jews were saved miraculously. What did they expect? Soon they expected that you know, whatever was going to happen, it was going to happen. Well, it didn't happen to everybody, Baruch Hashem. Mikol Mokem, Amod ben Nisoyen, he stood in this Nisoyen, Shaloi Liyos Nifrad Melokus, not to be separate from Melokus, Im Shahayalo, even though there were to him Meniyos Vikuvim, Gedailim, tremendous obstacles, Kenimrod. The king, ruler. And what did he want? For they wanted to burn him. They wanted to be done with this person who was annoying. Because when people tell the truth to people who don't like the truth, they get very annoyed and they try to close their mouths. Vehain hain, and they are helomis vestarim. These are all of the concealment. Shemitzaran hagas oylem kanal. Avinu doesn't know that the Abish is the Abish. Of course, he knows the Abish is the Abish. That's why he's going to jump in the furnace. But he also knows that I'll be deva. You jump in the furnace, so you end up ashes. That's the way it works. He knows that, but he's willing to do it. He's willing to do it because in no way, shape, or form is he going to bow down to Nimrod's idols. Not a chance. This is the way it is, and there is no other way. And Avram Avinu is willing to jump in the furnace, just like so many Yidden have done since his time. The the the, the Hasidim in the time of uh, of of the Soviets tried to wipe out Yiddishkeit, so they failed. Why did they fail? Because there were people who wouldn't who who, who refused to who refused to give up Yiddishkeit. They just refused. Nana said that that 90% of the Bachim that he learned with in Taim Chitimim, he got the Taim Chitimim in the year Tafresh Samach Gimel. He was 16 years old. Shvu is Tafresh Samach Gimel. Ayin Gimel, I'm sorry. Tafresh Ayin Gimel, he got there. Right? That means he heard the Hemshech Ayin Base from the Rebbe Shab. Most of the Maimarim he used to hear every every week. They would hear them Friday night. We've talked about this many times. It's important to know and remember and think about. They used to hear the mimer Friday night. By Sunday morning, they knew the mimer Balpeh and could repeat it in class. Sunday morning, they were expected to know the mimer the Rebbe said Friday night, Balpeh, and they would repeat it in class. Balpeh doesn't mean word for word. It means, you know, the Rebbe asked this question, and he gave this answer, then he asked another question, then he brought a Zoyar, and he asked the question in the Zoyar, and then, and then brought it to Midrashim, right, that they could go through the mimer. Right, that they heard. Right, they heard it Friday night. 
and they would they, they would have it memorized by Sunday morning in in Shir seven thirty in the morning Sunday morning, right? So so he got the Lubavitch in Tafresh Ayin Gimel, right? He said that that, that so that's nineteen thirteen in in Gregorian. Okay, so anybody who, I mean, maybe it's too long ago and no one knows these things anymore, but I hope, I hope people still know these things. It's a good idea to remember history so you don't let it repeat itself. That uh, in 1917, there was a revolution in Russia, the communist revolution. That revolution produced a civil war that lasted three or four years until finally a guy named Lenin took over in 1921, 2021. I mean, he basically took over in 1917, but there was a war between the, the Reds and the Whites, the Mensheviks and the Bolsheviks. And this is all very important to us Jews because it affected us rather, uh, rather severely, even though, of course, you know, the Jews were busy fighting on both sides, of course. Right? But there were other Jews who were staying out of it because they were more connected to things a little more Jewish. And, uh, and, and, uh, and the Bolsheviks won, and Lenin took over, and uh, how bad he was we'll never know because he died pretty soon. And then he was, uh, he, there was another fellow who took over named Stalin. Yimakshmai was just about as bad as they get. Right? Okay, fine. So that person tried to completely eradicate Yiddishkeit. Right? And what happened? There were people who stood up to that. And, 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 and wouldn't give up their Yiddishkeit no matter what that ultimately cost them. And Rav Nana said that 90% of the Bachrim that he learned with in Temchetimimim died as Kiddush Hashem in the camps of Stalin. They were taken away, they were running Chadarim, teaching Jewish children Torah, taken away, sent to the camps and died there. He was in the camps for 20 years, but he lived. Got out, came to Israel. But but ninety uh, percent of his fellow students died in the camp, and he claims I can't back up the claim. I'll just tell you what he claimed. I remember he told us this many times. He said not one guy that he sat with stopped keeping Yiddishkeit in Stalinist Russia. Not one. Okay. Why? Because they were not blinded by the darkness of the concealment of Shem Elohim and they could see through that veil and realize that it's all Shem Avayim. Which is what the Nisoyan is all about. The Hain Hain, this experience that Avram had, these are the concealments, that come as a result of the way the world works. Mikol Mokim, nevertheless, Avram Avinu, Loinizaz Ziz, from the word zaz, what does zaz mean? Move. To move. Lazuz means to move, you move. Lahaziz means to cause something else to move. If you move the bureau, you're meziz it. If you move, you're zaz. Okay, he didn't move a movement. Kolshu at all, chas He didn't move one macro, cent, macro meter away from Elokus. And he stood against all of these obstacles, against all of the concealments, and he went, he went to be burned in the furnace, not to be separate from the Ebishter in any way, shape, or form. What happened? Oh, there was an ace, and he was saved. Now the Rebbe says something astounding. And it, it, it has to be understood because, because if we misunderstand it, then the whole thing, we don't understand the whole thing. By virtue of the fact that he stood in the Nisoyen, I mean, he didn't allow Shem Elohim to completely conceal Shem Avaya. And he was able to see the Elokus in everything, even the Elokus in this rather difficult task of jumping in the furnace. So what happened? So you removed the garments of nature. And these are the garments and the concealment. And so what, what, what happened? So he was privy to an incredible revelation. What was that revelation? Shame of Ayah. By virtue of the fact that he didn't allow all the Helam and Hester of Shem Elohim to truly conceal anything, so then he was privy to this incredible revelation that beyond Shem Elohim. Now, not that he went into this experience expecting that to happen, because then it's not an Isaiah. 
He went into the experience expecting nature to take its course, but he didn't allow that nature to conceal Shema Vaya to the extent that he was still connected to Shema Vaya, even though he assumed that nature, nature's there, it's not, it doesn't disappear. So Alpi Teva, what was going to happen? You'd be burnt. But that Teva wasn't going to in any way, shape, or form conceal true reality, which is what Shema, which is Shema Vaya. And then what happened? He transformed the nature into a state, into into a, a vehicle for the revelation of Shema Vaya. It's no longer a revelation of Shema Elokim, so to speak. Since he connected to that level of reality, so he brought about, so to speak, a new nature. What's the nature of Shema Vaya? Eina Eish Sarif Klal. Fire doesn't burn at all. It's beyond limitation. For Avram Avinu was a Nisoyan, but what did the Nisoyan bring about? A more powerful revelation of, of Shema Vaya. Because what one might think is, and again, it's not that he went into the Nisoyan expecting the miracle. That's not the idea. He went into the Nisoyan not bothered and limited by Shema Lukim. Understanding that it's all Shema Vaya. And then what ultimately happened? Well, he was so powerfully connected to Shema Vaya, they actually brought about a revelation of Shema Vaya. Mamish, Mamish. So then, fire doesn't burn. That's what happened to him. Because that's what true reality is. It's really that level beyond nature. Nature is just that, that veneer that hides something so much more powerful. We talked about that. Right? But what's behind it? Panim, Panemius. Now, the revelation of Shema Vaya doesn't have to happen, so to speak, outside of the person. Relative to Avram Avinu, it actually happened outside of him. Me- meaning, he, he, he brought about a situation where Shema Vaya was, was partially revealed. For most people, where does that revelation of Shema Vaya exist? In their own conscious reality. That they don't allow Shema Lokim to conceal Shema Vaya in their own conscious reality. Does that mean that by definition all of a sudden nature changes? No. They just don't allow that nature, which isn't necessarily changing, to... In fact, now sometimes it might change. 100%. All sorts of amazing things can happen. But it doesn't have to change. In order, for the, in order for the person to be conscious of Shema Vaya. Because it's not that Shema Vaya is only when supernatural events happen. That's exactly, that's exactly the mistake. Shema Vaya is revealed even in Teva. So even if the supernatural event doesn't happen, the person is still connected to Shema Vaya. <coughs> but they can definitely bring about a certain change that the, the Rebbe talks about in, in terms of Bitochen, Trachut, but Zaingut. Like we said earlier, that which fire burns, that's all a function of the garments of nature. But in terms of the the unlimited light of a Kaddish Baruch, the infinite light, and what is it that ultimately challenges a person to find this level of Shema Vaya, Dafka the Nisaya. When things are working the way things are working, so then a person isn't challenged to find any level of Elokus more powerful than that which is being revealed in a rather convenient way in his everyday life. Everything seems to be working just fine. When is, when is the person challenged? When things don't seem to necessarily be going the way the person wants. And what might happen? Well, at that point, that's when they, we, we see what, 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 uh, what a person's made of. What, how, how powerfully do they maintain a connection to Elokus? Or do they fall into the woe is me, why me, poor me? The inability to deal with any hardship whatsoever, no matter how limited and unimportant. Maitzi Shabbos, I saw an expression of this, and I, it, it's a little frightening. And it's all over the Western world. The in a complete inability to deal with anything that isn't exactly the way I want it to be. And it's, it's crippling, it's emotionally crippling, a whole generation of, 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 of people. 
Not generally the people who show up here, but the people you left behind. I was in Tzvass, and I was parked outside the, our son's yeshiva, and I was waiting. They were running in and out getting stuff, you know, laundry to put in the trunk that we would take home and wash. Okay. So, so, uh, so, so I, it was, it's right near a scent. So a scent is full of, you know, Shabbos, summer, Americans, full. A 19, 20, 21-year-old girl, 18, I don't know, 19, 20-year-old girl is walking up the street talking on her cell phone, crying. What's she crying about? Speaking in English, probably to her mother in America and at Shabbos there, but whatever, what can you do? (laughs) She's walking up the street, crying. I couldn't find the counselor, so I didn't know where the bus is, and now I have to walk from where we were staying to the bus. Now, if anybody knows how far it is from Ascent to the bus stop in Svas, it's about a four-minute walk. And then, other than the first little bit, which is uphill, the rest is all downhill. You just, you know, I mean, then the sidewalks are slick. Just start sliding. You'll slide all the way down. <laughs> and she was, and, and my bag is, this is all crying. My bag is heavy and it's hard. That is not something to cry about. An adult doesn't cry about that. It's a pain in the neck. Of course, it'd be nicer if there was a bus to, you know, wherever she had to go. And it's a little, you know, and it's a a foreign country and it must be a little disconcerting, etc. But, I mean, it was clear she knew where she was going. Why is she crying? Because a complete inability to deal with anything that isn't exactly the way it's supposed to be. I just can't. This person thinks differently than me. Ah! And I go find my safe space and eat chocolate pudding and play with Lego. That's not healthy. That's sick. And I mean sick meaning really sick. It's not a healthy state of affairs. It's not good. And it's being promoted. This is what's healthy. Realizing that that's simply a challenge to find a little bit more strength in yourself to deal with something that isn't exactly what you wanted. Okay, you're a big girl. You'll deal with it. Yes, it's a little heavy, the bag. It didn't look like such a big bag, in all fairness. After she said that, I took a good look at the bag. I was sitting there in my car. I mean, I had nothing to do. Yeah. Right? So I was there. What? No, 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 no. No, it was a, you know, a bag over her shoulder, a little like, but it was this big. I mean, it wasn't. This was not, you know, a Samsonite from 1950. You know, it, it, she's carrying this thing with the belt around it. It's, it wasn't one of those, you know, with the little things you click and the metal goes up. It wasn't one of those. Right. It, was, it wasn't rolling, though, I get it. <laughs> you know, find a, li- like, a little bit. So, so th- that's what the Rebbe's talking about. That, this is a Nisoyan, like this is her Nisoyan. But evidently that was her Nisoyan, but she didn't do so well. She sort of failed that one. Right? <laughs> but it was, it was so amazing watching. It's just like this poor kid, she's a cripple. She's an emotional cripple. She can't deal with this. This is nothing. Right? The way they say it in the books about child rearing, when your children, see, living with children, you, all sorts of things happen that aren't in accordance with your will. Right? And living with children, it's more, more, more challenging than almost anything else because your a priori assumption is that it's your house and things should go accordance with your will. Right? Meaning with adults, you, you, know, you don't expect another adult to act in accordance with your will. Why should? But this kid is supposed to listen to you. That's the way it's about, but he doesn't. So that's more frustrating than saying, you know, Hillel, can you go get water? And Hillel says, no, I'm, I'm tired. Okay, Senator Hillel's allowed to say that. It's not a big deal. If you're, if you sat, your six-year-old, can you go, so you're supposed to do that, right? He has a mitzvah derisa to go do that. Okay, he says, gay fife and tati. Okay, fine. So, they, you, know, you know, like, okay. So it can be more frustrating. So what do the books all say? In those moments of absolute mayhem, and there's Bezrat Hashem, there'll be many more of them than you. Right? They're just too stupid to take the place over. If they realize they could, they could, but they, Baruch Hashem, they, they don't. Right? Okay. So, so when there's more of them than you, and things are out of control, and they can get out of control, You've got two beating each other over there, that's the boys, and you've got uh, two girls pulling each other's hair over here and screaming at each other, and you're trying to figure, and you can't, there's only one of you, and you're, you know, where is my spouse, and there, who knows where. Okay, the books all say the same thing, and they're all right. 
This is an uncomfortable situation. It is not dangerous, so just chill. Dangerous is when someone's deathly ill. There are dangerous situations in the world that really are dangerous, and, and, and they take a lot, you're, you're gonna have to deal with it in a very serious way. This is not dangerous, it's just uncomfortable. Deal with it. If you make it comfortable, then you'll, it'll be fine, because it's subjectively uncomfortable. If you're a weirdo, you might think, oh, you know, my brother always said when his kids were going crazy, he'd always sit in the chair and go, ah, the pitter-patter of little feet. One of them was throwing someone else through a window. <laughs> Baruch Hashem, there was a balcony there, not a five-story five drop. You know, I mean, uh, unbelievable what children get into, you know. Okay. When the, the, when the one-and-a-half or two-year-old thinks that the, you know, the, the, the three-week-old can be poked, they're like, I mean, they don't know, right? So they're like, so that can be dangerous. They have to make sure that that doesn't happen, right? But, you know, no, dear. Don't try to gouge out his eye. <laughs> I mean, you know, strange roommates, right? You think my note's weird. Wait until you lose it. I remember my my brothers, my brothers. I guess a nephew, yeah, yeah. His brother-in-law's kids. Right, so so they went to the University of Delaware. A couple of kids of my and 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 one of them he went. He was a freshman. He went to his dorm room. He walked into his dorm room, and his roommate is fast asleep, face down, on the, on his bed, with no shirt on. On his back. Now, this is a long time. This is 20 years ago, at least. On his back is a whole tattoo of what they call the nativity scene. Right? You know, him and Bethlehem and all that stuff. It's on his back. She says, whoa, this is going to be an interesting year in the dorm. Right? That's what this guy has. Because he's fast asleep like this on his bed. You know, Welcome to American college experience, little Neshama. Right? Okay. No. What? How was it in the end? Evidently they got along. I'm sure the guy was a nice guy. He just, you know, had bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> he never complained about it, as far as I heard. So what's, what's, what's Havaya? Beyond limitation. So when that Nisoyan happens, a person can fight through the limitation of it, which is definitely uncomfortable, there's no doubt about that, and it might even be a dangerous situation, because there are things like that in life, unfortunately. And sometimes with children there can be dangerous situations, very rarely when they're young, if God forbid there's a health issue, but, but you know, when they're older, Right? The emotional stress that the teenagers can have is, can be dangerous. Not dangerous that they're going to take their own life, God forbid, but, but dangerous, meaning that you, you hope they're going to grow up a healthy person and, and they're going through a difficult time. And it, and it can be dangerous, that difficult time, if it's not dealt with. Okay, so it has to be dealt with. Right? That's dangerous. That's not uncomfortable. It's dangerous. It's also uncomfortable. But it's dangerous. Okay, so you have to deal with it. And, it's, and you can deal with it. Right? But you have to deal with it on two ways. I'll pee derechateva, get the kid the help they need. Right? And also realize that the Abishta runs the world and, and uh, don't fall apart. This is also part of God's plan for you. Somehow this is one of the trials and tribulations that you're going to have to deal with and you'll find in that trial and tribulation Elokus. Find him in there. Right? Sometimes he's hiding in a very good hiding place. Okay. Story of the Baal Shem Tev. Baal Shem Tov's great-granddaughter, she was, uh, her, her father was the, great, the Baal Shem Tov's grandson, not Rav Nachman of Breslov, and uh, she came to her father crying, <coughs> she was about eight, she came to her father crying, and he, he wiped away her tears and, and tried to get her to explain what the problem was, and what was the problem? They were playing a game of uh, machbuim, of um, hide-and-seek, they were playing hide-and-seek, and, and, and she found a good place to hide. And, and Mendy was it, and Mendy found everybody, but Mendy didn't find her, but they forgot that she was hiding there. So, so, so then, you know, uh, Shoshi was it. 
So Shoshi was, uh, you know, looking around for everybody and found everybody, and, and, uh, and, and then uh, Yitzi was it. And this happened three or four times, and all of a sudden she realized that they forgot that she's in the game. They forgot that she's hiding. So she came out of her hiding place in tears and walked to her father and said, they forgot all about me. So he, you know, he cuddled her and calmed her down, and then he told her, Madel, you just uncovered the secret of creation. God is hiding. And the only time he cries is when we forget to look for him. That's when he cries. Ah, sometimes he has a hiding place that's so good we'll never find him. Eighty years ago, he hid pretty well. And anybody who experiences real tragedy, terrorist attacks, things like this, someone dying you know, at an age when they shouldn't die, and so that's tragic, okay? There's no question. Serious stuff, okay? So those people have to deal with the fact that it might be hard to find the Abishter in that, in that place. Okay. They still have to try to look. To try to look. Someone just told me a story of their grandfather, who they said, went into the camps in Europe in the late 30s, early 40s. He went in not for... And when he came out, he still wasn't from, but his belief in God was much stronger. I don't know how that works, but that's what they said about their grandfather. And he's been someone who, he, from there, he always went, he never, he never became Shem Shabbos, but he, he always went to shul on Shabbos and, and had a very strong connection. He described much stronger than he had in Europe before the war. <laughs> Simon Wiesenthal. He was asked to put on tefillin. It's a famous story. He was asked to put on tefillin once by, by a Lubavitcher. So he said, no, I don't put on tefillin. I said, why not? He said, once I was in the camps, and a Jew went through to great Messrs. Nevish to smuggle tefillin into the camp. In the war. Was it Simon Wiesenthal? Was he in the camps? No. Yeah, was he in the camps? No. He, yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So he said, uh, uh, I, I, uh, I, 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 we were quite impressed, but then what happened? He would ask for people's daily portion of bread to let them put on the tefillin. So he was very upset by this. Very upset. He said, I won't put on tefillin. If that's what someone who puts on tefillin does, I won't put it on. So the person he was talking to said, you're a tippish. He said, why are you looking at him? He's one guy who definitely is doing something that we, you know, we can't put ourselves in his situation. He's starving, but it doesn't look good. What about all those Yidden willing to give up their daily portion of bread to put on tefillin once? Why don't you look at them and see what a Yid really is? So he put on tefillin. He said, you're right. It's all how you look at it. Right? What do you see? Are you seeing the, the negative part of it, or are you seeing something else there? All these Yidden willing to give up, they get a little crusty piece of bread willing to give it up to put on fill, which we're going to go do very, very soon. We're just going to find a place to stop. But, but, but Baruch Hashem, it's not as... Uh, 10 o'clock, we have a little... It's not like quarter to nine and then we turn into pumpkins. Neshein ve'gedu akbala klal shem six lines up. The period. This which he came to, a revelation of of a built balgvul, this unlimited supernatural revelation, specifically because he stood in this trial. He saw through the concealment. And what did he reveal? What's really there? But he revealed it, Mamish Bamukhash. Mamish revealed it. The Lulezes were not for this trial. This revelation of, of the, the, the behavior of the world through the revelation of Shema Vaya, Shabbat, that comes, Ayyadei Shema Elokim, comes through Shema Elokim, Shuba Bechinas. It is a quality of Ha'ara Chitzenius Levad, as we've talked about, Mishema Vaya what would What would reality be? Reality would have been what it always is. What's that? Shem Avaya, but Shem Avaya coming through the prism of Shem Elokim. And what did Avram Avinu reveal by standing in this Nisayan? 
What did the concealment, even greater concealment, ultimately force him to come to grips with? That there's no concealment. It's not concealment. It's all just revelation. Aye, that can be very hard in certain situations. Extremely hard. It takes real avayda. But it's still not, it's not... Uh, when, when does the, when, what's the one thing we have to stay away from more seriously than anything else in order to do the avayda? Why me? As soon as I ask that question, then it's finished. I don't know. You'll never know. But that's not the avayda. It's not the avayda. Why me? Now... Why me? The, the Chazal said that when something happens, so we look into our deeds and we try to, and go, okay, fine. But that, why me? You know, why me, not someone else? I'm saying you're wishing this on someone else. No one knows. No one knows. Ubechdei. I just want to turn the page. In order to come to a true revelation of Shem Avaya. As it is beyond Shem Elokim, this is only in times of trials, tribulations, concealments. Then a person can truly fight through the concealment because within the context of everyday life, if it's not concealed in a powerful way, so then I even I start to forget it's concealed. I start to relate to things as just happening the way they're happening. And we see, right? That unfortunately, Yidden, why? I mean, well, this is why, but I mean, we're so, we all know that for the Neshama, the challenge of riches is a much more difficult challenge than the challenge of poverty. Yidden have done much worse in times of goodness than they've done in times of hardship. Always. Why? Because in times of hardship, they're forced to find something real, whereas in times of goodness, they lose sight of it all and think that this is just the way it's supposed to be. I'll pee teva. If I play my cards right, everything will work. And I'll pee teva, it seems to, for a while. But I'll pee teva, unfortunately, if they care about this, that also means that there's a good chance their grandchildren won't be Jewish. That's also the same tevil. Now, some don't care. The grandparents usually care. The parents might not. The grandparents do. They did. Maybe they get used to it. By virtue of standing strong in this Nisayan, that comes through all of the concealments of Shem Elohim, what does a person come to? He fights through the concealment. He gets to a place, He sees, he experiences reality in a completely different way. Now, we should require Nisyanis to see that. Chassidus is that which allows us to experience that without necessarily going through Nisyanis. Many people, the only way they experience it is by going through Nisyanis. Chassidus hopefully helps us understand that Elam Hazar Bechlal is a Nisayin. It's a tremendous Nisayin, Elam Hazar. And it's a danger. It can be dangerous. Because it can really affect the Neshama. The Neshama can be taking places that the Neshama is just absolutely... uh, It's it's so unhealthy for the Neshama there. It's not uncomfortable. It's it's dangerous for the Neshama. Certain aspects of life in Elam Hazar. Okay. But a person who appreciates what reality is really all about. So they live life in a different way. What's it really all about? Especially in our generation. I mean, it's always been this, but in our generation, the Rebbe brought it into focus in a way that's, that's, that's beyond any other focus. It's all about Elokus. And ultimately, it's all about Gulen Mashiach and, and, and bringing about the end of, of all of the hardships as we know it and bringing about a revelation of things as the way they should be. And that's who we are, what we are, and where we are in the whole story. Whoa. Amazing. That's where we are. You want to pretend we're not there? Okay. We're not there. We're there. See what the Rebbe says about our generation. That's where we are. We have a new, the Rebbe even describes it as a new Avaid. Shabbos, Parshas, Chaya, Sarah. New Shlichas. What's the Shlichas? Finish the job of ultimately the whole purpose of the creation of the world, which is bringing about the Gula Mitis Vashlema. Well, that's where we're all. Okay, so that's what life is about. That's the shame of Vaya of our life. Are there any Ooh, wow, sure there are. Okay. 
Do they look? Some of them are even dangerous. They might be self-imposed, self-inflicted, but there's, it doesn't mean they're not dangerous. Dangerous for what? For the nisham. Never say look, he's not so dangerous. I'll just tell you one quick story from for bringing on Shabbos, which is the good, the great story that the. It wasn't a story. It was just someone saying something. He said, "Every chesedish ma'isa that we ever tell, it's working against us. It's mamish." He said, and he puts better. Zenegdeinu, zenegdeinu. It's against us. What do you mean? It's the us. It's against. It's against our nevi shabbos. Every time you tell chesedish ma'isa a story about the rabbeim or chesedim or something, what's it ultimately doing? It's challenging you to bring about real changes. Oh, it's mamish. Zenegdi, meaning the, the, the one listening, me, my Nevisha Baham is listening to that story, conscious me listening to it. It's Mamish challenging me big time. I think the story is nice and sweet and uplifting. Okay, it is, but why is it challenging the Nevisha Bahamas? If I really listen to this, I'm finished. Uh oh. Right, hold on. I have to go get some water. I'll hear the end later. Told the story of a Jew that lives in. Svas went by the Rebbe, was leaving Yiddishkeit, he was by all the Shluchim in Minnesota, didn't believe in God, leaving everything, went to the, they said, go to the Rebbe Rechidus. He decided to go to the Rebbe Rechidus, finally arranged the Rechidus, he went to the Rebbe, the Rebbe said, you have to learn Tanya. So uh, he said, uh, Rebbe, Rebbe, I learned Tanya with Rabbi Friedman and Rabbi Feller and all the, the, you know, the, the big, the, 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 the lights in Minnesota, didn't move. So the Rebbe said, learn Masilis Yishar. The Rebbe told him, learn Masilis Yishar. Said okay, left. Learned Masilis Yishar. Twenty-two years later, he was marrying off his oldest son. He was in Brooklyn buying him a hat and a jacket. Obviously, Masilis Yishar worked, right? And uh, it was a Sunday. He said, "You know what? This all started from Yechidus Lubavitcher Rebbe. Let's go. You and me will go." Twenty-two years later, this, he has a beard. He has a hat. He has a jacket. He does not look like the kid who walked in, not believing in God. Walked by the Rebbe for dollars. Rebbe gave him a dollar. Rebbe asked him, you still learning Masilis Yashar? <laughs> Freaked out. <laughs> he lives in Sfas. Yaakov. Something. There's a house right next to a cent. Has the net. Big, big, baum, something. There's a, it's a bait, something. This guy lives in Sfas now. He retired in Sfas. Minnesota? Originally from Minnesota, yeah. Yaakov. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 I'm sure if you walked around the streets, you've seen the side. Evidently, he has a house, a big house. He has a lot of guests in it. He's an older gentleman now. I'm always amazed that these stories happen to people and they don't become Lubavitchers. But whatever, okay. Obviously, he, he talked to his rabbis about this and said, how could it be? So they said, look, I guess everybody has a different phone number. Some people's phone number is, is, is Tanya. Your phone number was Masilis Yashayim. That's how you got, you know, that's how you got connected. So. So whatever, but that's what we told him. Learn Masilis Yishai. You got from, and uh, then we asked twenty-two years later. You're still learning Masilis Yishai. So one thing is, Litvish Rabbi told him. He said, "How could the Rebbe recognize me?" And the guy said, "The Rebbe is a Rebbe. Rebbe's don't see clothes and faces. They see souls. You're the same soul that walked by two, 22 years ago." I said, "This is pale, and a lot of people are." 